Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Isaiah chapter 53. Now, remind you, just a quick reminder today, the Advent candle is joy. Joy. I want you to think about that when we read this passage. Isaiah 53, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from the peop- whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. Stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Yet he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and the sheep before the shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with, all, with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had, not, had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. And cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By the knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquity. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Lord, that... That song is still kind of heavy. It's easy when you're given, but it's hard when you're taken away. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would set our hearts in the spot to understand what you went through when you sent your son Jesus to this earth. And you had to give it away, to give him away for us. That's heavy. 
And Lord, all we can say is blessed be your name in those hard times and in those good times. You're a mighty God. You are powerful. And you have a plan. We don't always understand it. We don't have to. We don't have to see it. We just need to trust. And so, Lord, this morning as we look at your word, may we lean heavy into trusting you so that we might have the joy you offer. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, Brentley, can you check that phone? Just make sure it isn't something serious. All right, so we're on the joy, cal- joy calendar, joy candle. So I thought, well, if you, if you didn't remember, we, uh, we started on week one. That was actually at the end of November where we were talking about, uh, in Isaiah 9, those who walked in darkness saw a great light. And, and two weeks ago, we talked about a shoot that would come up, a king that would be our deliverer from the stump of Jesse. And last week, we talked about comfort, comfort my people. When Isaiah reminds God's people that they have paid the price, they have paid the price, and now they will come back together. They will no longer wander I don't know about you, but today's passage seems a little awkward for the Advent candle joy. Does it not? Seems a bit heavy to find joy. So I thought about maybe, all right, what brings you joy? So I have this idea, and I'm just going to let you guys know. I'm going to start with Kenny, and I'm going to ask every single one of you, every single one of you, what, makes you, what brings you joy? We'll see how long it takes. Kenny, what brings you joy? What brings you joy? Perfect. Veronica, what brings you joy? Perfect. I, I didn't really want to do anybody else. I just wanted to pick on those guys. <laughs> I kind of owed them that. <laughs> So all y'alls are off the hook. <laughs> if you feel compelled, write on your Connect card what brings you joy. I just wanted to pick on them. Someone said, hey, you know, you haven't been picking on Kenny as of late. I said, you're right. It's kind of my turn. And, and Veronica married him, so she should get half of that, right? <laughs> she gets half. That's right. <laughs> but I want you to think about that for a moment. What brings you joy? What is it that you find joyful? What satisfies that part of your life? What is it? My wife, she's not sleeping. Don't worry about her. It'll go away after kids go back home. But she went, she, We were up at 2.30 this morning, and I'm like, I'm wide awake. Kids are coming home on Wednesday. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But that brings us joy. And I want you to think for a moment, what brings you joy, that that pure understanding 
that there is good, that God has given us good. What is it that brings you joy? Do you have another one? Cookies. Well, that's not a bad one. Oh. There are things in life that bring us joy. And if we can't find those, then we need to take a step back. Uh, For a lot of years, for a lot of years, you can ask my wife, I despised Christmas. I had gotten to the point where Christmas had become so commercial, so fake in so many ways that that I just didn't like it. The joke has always been my favorite Christmas song is Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. (laughs) And if you ask Pastor Dave, if you ask him, he would tell you. I played it every year he was here. I'd play it multiple times. Now, I haven't played it at all this year, but we would play that. I would always play that. He always said, you know, we need to sit down sometime, and I need to explain to you what Christmas is all about. Because obviously, if you think it's about a Hanukkah song, you're confused. And I would play that over on repeat on, on YouTube. Just, I know, that's the point, Ken. <laughs> I didn't like Christmas. I struggled with Christmas. Putting it all together and under, trying to understand. Now, God has really... I, I was thinking this morning, that song, if you didn't get the countdown, my wife said, listen to this song. And I said, that's ridiculous. And then I listened to it again. And then I heard her play it third time. And then I started to really... Did you catch this, the, the hook in that song, Hey Moon? It's from the it's from the the it's from the the brightest star, right? It's from the star uh, to Bethlehem. That's where that song is. That's the perspective the song is coming from. And there's a piece that says uh, something in the in the lines of, "Boy, if they only knew what we saw long before presents and Christmas trees." And we think about the stars and the moon and they were here before presents and Christmas trees. They announced the birth of Jesus. And for whatever good reason, uh, that's really hit home this year for me. I'm enjoying Christmas. I'm finding joy. I think some of it is I'm finding joy in the normalcy of Christmas. Because I don't know about you, but everything else in the world feels like it's unwinding. It feels some out of, out of control and spinning in a circle. And so I can't, I can't but hardly be excited that we're going to get our kids all in one spot and, and enjoy some Christmas. Now, if we could get some snow, if you all would pray, I need a little snow for a little Texas granddaughter who wants grandma to have snow. So if not, I'll expect you all to be putting ice in and we'll shave it. We'll make, I'll, be del- I'll be asking you to deliver that on Wednesday evening somewhere. Well, we have some now, so it better not warm up. I got a sled, and it might be, we might be sliding in the mud. I don't, we're going to be sliding somewhere. I just, I, it might be behind the four-wheeler. I don't even know. But Those are the things that bring me joy. And I, and I tell you those because I want you to think about what's bringing you joy. There are a lot of things that take our joy, that steal our joy. But what brings you joy? This holidays, this Christmas season. 
What brings you joy? This passage is kind of odd uh, when we think about joy because it's everything that's not joy on the surface. It's everything we think about when we think about the pain and sorrow and hurt, despised and rejected, pierced for our transgressions. All those lines are famous in our minds, right? We think about what Isaiah said long before Jesus would come. And I don't know about you, but that is hard on the surface to find joy in the midst of someone who would be abused. And I'll admit that I half thought about showing you that scene from the Passion of Christ. Right? That three to four minutes of Jesus being beaten. It's a rough path, right? It's rough. It's rough, rough enough. I didn't want to show kids, and let alone I didn't want to show you guys. I mean, it's just rough. I watched it on my, my own on Thursday, thinking about what do I want to, how do I want to express the pain that Jesus went through? And I just felt like, man, that's, that's heavy. It's really heavy. So we played Hey Moon. But you know that, you know that, that clip from the Passion of Christ. When we went and saw that movie in the theater, it's the first and only movie I've ever, ever experienced, a whole population of moviegoers walk out silently. I've never, I've never, that's never, I've never had that happen. Anything but joy on the surface. But I want to look at this passage a little bit deeper. Because there's joy in the fact that Jesus suffered for me. There's joy in the fact that he suffered for my soul. Verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow is acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way, and he was despised. And we did not care. That's a new literal translation, but I think it does a good job of helping us get a sense of what happened. He suffered for me. What did he do wrong? See, there are guys that are bad guys, right? And those bad guys, we, we assume they deserve what they get. Let me give you an example. Here's a bad guy. If you don't know who that is, he's number nine. He should have been on like two or three, but he's number nine on the bad guy list on the NHL. guy by the name of Brad Marchand. What's that? Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. This guy licks and kisses people in the playoffs. He has. He has been suspended six times. Um, and with a smile, they said, um, there was one where he said, well, you got, what do you think about the two-game two, uh, suspension? Well, he says, I'm just thankful it's not four, so I, <laughs> so I can get back out there. He's the, he's the guy everybody loves to hate. And he deserves it, because he does has this edge of dirty uh, in hockey. Now, if you, if you don't know much about hockey, you're like, well, everybody, you know, they fight. Well, he's got a little different way of, about himself. He, he's a little guy, so he kind of has that chip on his shoulder. 
Got a lot of attitude. Doesn't really, ah, you just love to hate him. Yeah, you just kind of guy you love to hate, right? You just love to hate him. But let's talk about this baby Jesus. What's to hate about a baby born in a manger? What's to hate about a newborn child? We were at a party yesterday with a be my sister's granddaughter, right? Granddaughter? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a little baby, and she's like five pounds. I mean, she's like little, little bean, right? And she just laid there, and she cried once in a while. She ate once in a while. She got changed once in a while. But she did nothing offensive to us. There was nothing that I could find that was offensive. And Jesus suffered not for his offenses, but rather for our offenses. Because he did nothing wrong to be where he was. In fact, another clip in Passion movie is that moment when Pilate's trying to get himself out of a pickle because he knows he's in the middle of a mess. And so he puts Jesus, the innocent, on one side, and Barabbas, the insurrectionist, the criminal who was in jail, on the other side. And he allows the Jews to make a decision. Why? Because he doesn't want to, one, he doesn't want to make the decision. In fact, he goes to the fact of washing his hands of it, literally washing his hands of this situation. And everything that's inside of us would say, obviously we take the guy who's been in jail, who's caused problems and riots and whatever else Barabbas had done, that's the guy that goes to be crucified. What did Jesus do that made him guilty? Nothing. Nothing that he said wasn't true. It was people's perspective of what was going on that was the problem. Jesus suffered for you and I. There has to be joy, even in the hard times, of thinking about that. The joy is that he took our place. It's, it, it causes me to pause and to be humbled. Just like we're humbled when someone does something for us out of the blue or someone uh, we never knew, uh, we've never met before, stops and helps us. Or maybe even fixes our tire. Those humble us. Jesus went to the cross, and that's very humbling. He suffered for you and me. His pain brought peace. His pain brought our peace. 
peace, the scripture says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment brought us peace. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. His perfection took what we deserved. And what we got in return was peace. Just think a a moment about the trauma and what the Scripture tells us about the pain that he would endure. To the point where it says they couldn't recognize him. He was so bloody and battered that they couldn't recognize him. That's a hard story to hear. When I was a young man, I went to a camp. Not a lot unlike Judson, but it was in North, North Carolina, South Carolina, right on the border uh, called the Wilds. And I was probably 11 or 12, and I learned a lot that year. I learned that, um, that grits are good. I learned that the width of a Bible will not keep you from still being interested, being interested in the girl next to you. I learned that because that was always on the ride down and back. One Bible width. Put one Bible width between you and the girl next to you. So that, that was just one of the things that happened in the van. Because <laughs> our arms aren't any longer than a Bible width. <laughs> I learned that... Uh, the rat race was over and the rats won. I heard that for the first time there. I met a girl who just didn't think much of me, so she ditched me, so that was good. That was an interesting conversation. But here's what really happened that I want to share with you. What I learned at the wilds was this. There was a guy by the name of Tom Farr. I don't know, I don't know if he was a nobody then or he's a nobody now. I don't, I don't know him other than I, knew, I haven't forgotten his name and uh, I was probably 12 or 13. And Tom came and spoke to a, a group of probably, there was probably 150 people, 150 uh, kids. And Tom began to explain what Jesus endured, the pain. He went into almost gory detail about a cat of nine tails. That's what they beat him with. It was metal, bones, uh, chunks of rocks. There was all kinds of things in it to the point of when they would bury that in Jesus' back or whoever it was, uh, when they pulled, it pulled flesh with it. That's why he was so torn up. And Tom went on to explain all that Jesus had endured. And when he got to the end, he offered the gospel. Jesus' pain brought my peace. And I had, I had made a commitment earlier in my life, but I'm pretty sure that's when I sealed the deal uh, at the age of 12 or 13. I don't even know. I don't know. I just remember being uh, pretty young or young, you know, that age. Uh, and it wasn't the happy, loving uh, story that, that brought me there. It was the understanding that God had sent his son Jesus who had just suffered unmercifully for me. And I can remember, get, there was like altar call, and it was one of those like, 
out-of-body experiences. You know, you're just like, eh, I'm getting out of there. I'm gotta, I got to go. I got to go forward. I got to go forward. And I'm going to seal the deal and make sure my life is in the right spot with Jesus. And I'll never, that's been a long time, and I'll never forget that moment of realizing that Jesus had come and endured that rotten stuff for me. His pain, his brokenness. I mean, we think crucifixion is bad, and it is. It's, it's actually suffocation, right? And Tom was talking about all of that, but think about all the things he endured during that day. And somehow... That was an even trade for me. Somehow. And I find joy in understanding that this was God's will. That's hard for me to to wrap my head around. But it was God's will that Jesus would suffer that. Verse 10 tells us, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Jesus knew, God knew that Jesus would have to come and suffer for us. He knew he had, to have a, he had a plan that would allow us a way out. God's will is kind of interesting, is it not? We always, we always talk a lot about that. I wonder what God's will for my life is, right? If I don't talk about that once a week, I don't talk about it at all. We talk a lot about what God's will would be for our life, and we think that it obviously should be good and happy and smooth. Uh, if it's God's will, it's going to be easy. If it's God's will, uh, it's going to be plain as day. It'll be just like reading a book, um, and, and it'll just, it's going to work out. The problem with that idea is, is it God's will that we get sick? Is it God's will that things happen that don't make sense? Is it God's will uh, that life can be hard? Right? Because if we're saying, well, if it's God's will and it's all good, then obviously the inverse would be, if it's not God's will, then it's all bad. And I just needed to know that that's not what Scripture tells us. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, he said, Sometimes I, I thank God that he has put us on display, prisoners of war at the end of the victory parade, condemned to die, a spectacle to the entire world. It doesn't say it in there, but fools for Christ. When I was trying to discern whether to put my name uh, in for the associate pastor position. Pastor Dave and I sat probably about two to three hours and toiled. I toiled, him not as much. <laughs> I toiled over this passage. And here's what it comes down to. Are you willing to stick your neck out to be a fool for Christ? And that's what Paul is saying. It's easy when things are good. It's easy if it all goes well. But are you going to put your neck out there, as Paul says, and be a fool? A fool for Christ. If that's what God's plan is in your life. 
What Paul's talking about is the people at the end of the parade. You know what the, these victory parades were about, right? They had a victory parade. They get on their horses, their chariots. They make this great parade. They, have some, uh, they do some reenactments of the war, shows how they uh, stomp the other people. And at the end, they have them in shackles, the prisoners, whom will be killed. <laughs> they don't have any value. And they just put them at the end of the line. And like when we get to the end of the line, um, there'll be a public execution, and we'll finish off what's left of the other people. And Paul says that's what Christianity sometimes can look like. That's what our faith may take us to. Understand that it's not always going to be pretty or easy. And then Paul comes back in 2 Corinthians. We don't have time. That's, let me read it. Of course, I won't be able to find it. Oh, it's on the wrong page. Oh. Paul talks about what he went through trying to serve God. I have worked harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Thought was if you got 40, it would kill you, so they take one off. Three times I was beaten with rods, once pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked, spent a night and a day in the open sea. That means there's no boat, you're just uh, floating along. Constantly on the move, in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, the danger at sea. In danger from false believers, I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And everything, beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all those in my churches. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness, Paul says. If I will boast, I will boast of my weakness. The pain of Jesus is our joy. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have joy. It's just that simple. If you want Jesus, I'd love to share him with you. The scripture says all you have to do is admit that you have a problem, that sin is a problem in your life, and it is a problem in your life. Admit it. You have to believe that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose again for you, and then call upon his name. Call out. Cry out. That's as simple as it gets. It will turn your life upside down. It will give you joy in the midst of the darkest, most painful and challenging times of your life. That's how you can sing a song like Blessed Be Your Name. In the good and the bad, and the broken, and the repaired. 
and the blessings in our failures. Blessed be his name. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the joy that has come from the pain you have endured. It's humbling to realize that we have done nothing of any value to deserve that. While we were yet sinners and enemies of the cross, you came. Thank you for your love and your care. Lord, as we pray, as I pray as we spend this week enjoying the holiday, that you would help us to remember that that baby would grow up in perfection for our sake. In your name we pray. Amen.